Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, a celebrant of the Blue Energy Beam. Oh, so much Blue Beam. Today, we're talking about Minute 5, which begins with Doorway Logic and ends with Loki's Arrival. That's right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Andy. Can we pick up immediately where we left off complaining yesterday? Because I feel like (laughs) we have another fix. Another fix that is so easy. Tell me. Andy, what if right before we what we have here in this minute is we have Clint Barton explaining doorway logic, right? Yes. And our problem that we defined yesterday centrally was that Selvig should have demonstrated that he was in still under some sort of post-credits Thor control from Loki, right? That was that was our big thing. Correct. Wouldn't it have made more sense if the line that is given to Hawkeye in this movie about doors opening from the other side had been given to Selvig to say, not confusedly, not questioningly, not even introspectively, but knowingly, and then... Nick Fury looks, huh? Am I being aware, made aware of something that I didn't know before? And then the door opens and it's Loki. That makes so much more sense to me. And it, it actually reminds us that Selvig was under some sort of control. That's what I think should have happened. We fixed it. Absolutely. I completely agree. Although in that case, also, Selvig could have been the one opening the door for Loki. So it, yes. it could have still opened from this oh, side. You fi- it, we fixed it and then you fixed it more. This is your <laughs> special day. I mean, <laughs> really. Special day. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'll take it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Before we get too far into this, I did want to call out our NASA scientist, who we didn't mention in our last minute. She did get to have her line calling Eric over to talk about the fact that the um, the Tesseract was spiking again. Doctor, it's spiking again. That is Tina Benko playing our NASA scientist. Pete, do you have any idea who Tina Benko is? Uh, yes. Tina Benko was in uh, E.T. and also um, uh, Around the World in 80 Days and played... Um, no, I don't. Of course, I don't know. She should have. Tina Benko should have been in the Belko experience. Oh, experiment. totally. Yeah. That would have been great. Tina, so who is Tina Benko? Tina Benko, um, her four IMDb are the Avengers. Of course, that's number one. She was in Irrational Man. Uh, I know I that was Woody Allen's film that was 2015. She played a TV announcer. She was in That Awkward Moment. Have you heard of That Awkward Moment? No. It was a Zac, Zac Efron, Michael B. Jordan, Miles Teller movie. Oh, I, told, I, I didn't see it. I absolutely know that movie. Yes. Yeah, okay. I didn't see it. Three best friends, friends find themselves where we've all been at that confusing moment in every dating relationship where you have to decide, so where is this going? In other words, the, a Zac Efron movie. A Zac Efron movie, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, she plays Ellie's mom in that awkward moment. Okay. Last but not least, she is in The Greatest Showman. <gasps> well, that is a Zac Efron movie. <laughs> that is also a Zac Efron movie. She plays uh, Mrs. Winthrop. And I cannot remember who Mrs. Winthrop is, but I really enjoyed the movie. Do you remember Mrs. Winthrop? No clue. No I don't remember who Mr. Winthrop is. No. Was there a Mr. Winthrop? Maybe there wasn't a Mr. Winthrop. <laughs> I have no idea. Mr. Winthrop. There is a Mr. Winthrop, but I don't know who he is either. 
Okay. Damien Young played Mr. Winthrop. I don't know. Anyway, those are her four known fours. So she has a brief moment here, and uh, she gets to have a little her moment in spotlight. We'll talk about more with her next week because uh, she does meet her demise. Sad to say. Very short bit in this film. Okay. So, the doorway logic, Pete. So now... <laughs> Again, this goes back to this whole idea. So if it's a doorway, couldn't Thanos have just used it to come through and get the Tesseract? But hey, we're not going to... We watched this movie just... We watched this minute again just before we started recording. And uh, that's kind of how we do it. And we watched the minute, so we're all up to speed. And I started laughing out loud as soon as Hawkeye started saying this. Because we're in a, a science facility with a bunch of science people. And all the science people with all of their science hadn't yet thought about the doorway to the other side paradox enough to tell Nick Fury this is what's going on? Like, you have to get it from the guy who pretends he's a hawk? (laughs) Sits in his little nest? Yeah. Well, here's the thing that I am confused with. Like, how do they figure out that the Tesseract is a doorway to the other end of space? Like, I feel like that's the first time that's come up. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Yeah, we're we're being retconned a little bit. <laughs> the only thing we know that it does is it disintegrates Red Skull and falls, burns its way through the hull of a plane, like right, and and it makes blue beam energy. Maybe, maybe there has been a conversation between Nick and Steve since Steve is you know now part of society, kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been around for a few months, right? And maybe Nick, when he's been working on this Tesseract with Selvig, he showed him a picture of this and said, hey, we found this, um, you know, or, or Howard Stark found this. And he said that this was something that you know might know something about. And Steve says, oh, all I know is when Red Skull grabbed it, it opened up a hole in space and sucked him through. Like, maybe. Is that what we, I mean, w- what we saw? Like, what we can verify is that Red Skull got disintegrated and sucked upward, right? So into, and you see, and Steve presumably could see, like, constellations and galaxies through that hole, though. Yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. I mean, it kind of opens like this. The whole top of the ship disappeared, and it yeah. was like a it yeah, was space. Yeah, I know. It was, it was like, you know, when you're in Asgard and you're looking at, like, why, are, why is this nebula, like, like 20 feet away? You know, I mean, it's it's like that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I guess where I'm skeptical is that Steve is, was aware enough of what was going on with the the behavior of this box that had never done anything like that before and then did that thing and then was aware enough to report it in that way to Fury. And if that's the case, then why would Fury look so surprised in this scene, in this movie, right? When Hawkeye, who's never seen it before, do anything tells him that it's a portal through space. If that's the case, then shouldn't Nick have already known it? Yeah, that's true. All right. <laughs> and this is what I was minute afraid five. of. Minute five. I have, like this movie so much. We have so every much. minute we have yeah. poked holes through. They're, I, all, this they're is, all sieves. Deeply regret doing this entire show with you because I knew you were going to take a movie I like and force me to find all kinds of new ways uh, to not like it. 
but here's the thing. You're right. In the context of watching it, it flows, it works, it's fine. But when yeah. you start looking at it and you start like analyzing and thinking about it, and this, I mean, people talk about this when they watch movies multiple times. They say, well, it tells all these plot holes. Like none of this stuff really makes that much sense when you look at it. And I mean, that's that's the issue that we have here. And I guess what we need to just say is, okay, it's it's written, it's by a screenwriter who is very clever with his dialogue and finds fun ways. I mean, the way that the lines are played out between Fury and Barton about this, like that whole, if there's any tampering, it wasn't at this end. At this end? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like... It's very clever dialogue. It works. It it flows naturally. And in the scope of a film, it works. It it gets you moving to what's going to happen next. So it's doing its job. It's just when you start thinking about it, it's like, well, some of that doesn't make that much sense, though. Yeah. So let's just stop doing that and just enjoy well, each minute. I will time. say, in terms of loving each minute, that I actually do enjoy the the way the production design works here. I like the effect of the blue beam. I like being in the blue beam as the blue beam opens the door uh, to space and the the ring expands. We're going to see that effect played out much larger later. I, I like all of that stuff. Like, I'm not so cynical about blue beam energy that I that I really just hate watching it. I think it looks great. I think they did a good job on it. I do question after Loki. So we we don't know it's Loki at the end of this minute, but the energy itself, the energy beam itself as it's it's like energy residue, you know what I'm saying? The residue. Yeah, it's kind of like the blue stuff that's glowing on him. Yeah. It's like it's on his shoulders and stuff. Yeah. It goes up into the tower of this facility, right? And it starts swirling up above in the kind of conical side of the tower. Yeah, the, the dome. So, so the dome, dome, good, good, yes, yeah. dome. There are words for things. What is it doing there? Because it becomes a threat later. And I that starts here. They've sent the blue goo residue into the dome, and it starts doing something and I, I just want to bookmark that here because in their conversation later, the way the script plays out next week, I think it'll be toward the end of next week. It feels like they know more about the blue goo than they should in what it's doing in the dome. Does that I mean, is that a sufficient question? Because uh, we don't know the answer, but it starts here. It starts here. It is uh, basically what it looks like is. The energy is coalescing, and it's building into something that is basically explosive is what's happening. But why and how? But to your point, they all know. They all understand that, hey, this, this, and this, my sense is, when the film started, it wasn't brought up. But we had Fury walking off a helicopter saying, how bad is it? It's a problem, but we don't know how bad. And everybody's evacuating. And Fury even says, when Coulson says, I'll get everybody out of here in a half hour, do better. He, it's like they know that this thing is about to blow, but how? And it's, it is a peculiar thing that's happening. Yeah, it's a weird, this, this leakage, this like blue goo seepage that goes up into the dome feels like something they shouldn't have known about because they haven't been able to unlock the power of the Tesseract before. And that that feels sketchy to me. But everything else about this portal open opening, I think, is really cool. And I especially love we get just a few frames of it here. But I love the body that shows up kneeling 
would have been better as a nod to Terminator if the body was naked. Uh, but, um, but I love the way the blue goo is, is like, uh, sort of diffusing like in waves and flames off of, off of this body, the mysterious body. I think it's very cool. It is very cool. I, I do like the way all of this plays out. I will say that Nick and, and Barton are very lucky that it blasted the other way because yes, they are essentially. Faces. <laughs> standing right in its path, if it had just shot their way, they would have been, I don't know, I don't know, would they have been disintegrated? Would they have been dumped off in sanctuary? Who right. Knows? I mean, thank goodness this entire facility was built bespoke for the behavior of the Tesseract <laughs> that they did not see coming. Right. Exactly. It's got a very unintentional uh, <laughs> uh, landing platform. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, so funny. Nailed it. So it. Funny. I love the shot of uh, we have a couple cutaways. Uh, there's a shot of Colson reacting. There's a shot of Hill reacting. Colson's shot cracks me up because it looks so much like Clark Gregg is acting. <laughs> like it just looks like okay, the floor is shaking, and just like the way that he looks, it it just cracks me up to no end because it just seems like the director is shouting now, shake. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like whoa. Uh, Oh well, and and we get the cutaway that right after Coulson's acting, uh, we get uh, Colby Smulders looking longingly up and to the left into the middle distance. <laughs> like, yes. what is going on? She's got a lot of love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so dramatic. So dramatic. It's very funny. Yeah, I love very both funny. of them so much. They're great. Yep. Um, speaking of... Uh, Maria Hill, she is at the loading dock. This is the uh, the joint dark energy mission loading dock, which is an underground loading dock just off of this the area where they're working. So it's not too far. And this was actually shot also in Albuquerque. This is at the Albuquerque Convention Center. Oh, looks it's got that big convention center energy. It's the, it, it it's, like it's that it, yeah. underground like yeah. loading dock area that they have. It it allows for kind of that cool look. So I think it looks yeah. nice. Yeah, very cool. Can I go back real quick to this doorway logic? Okay. How is he opening it? Is he using the scepter to open it? Like, do you know exactly how this whole thing is working? <laughs> I've demonstrated that I don't. I know. I, um, I, I shouldn't ask these rhetorical questions because it's like nobody really knows how this thing Nobody working. knows how this works. Well, but it is a good question because the last thing we know about the scepter is that it was handed to this being that we know as Loki, but we didn't know before. Who knows where it's going? There is no indication that the scepter would have been using, would have been, you know, being used to manipulate this and create this doorway, especially because it's the, the energy was triggered by the Tesseract itself on this end, right? Well, I guess the only thing that leads me to think that they were trying to suggest the Scepter is in some way related. And again, this doesn't work when you think about Infinity Stones later, but for the context of the film, maybe it works. The Scepter has the same blue glow in its little energy core at the center of its tip, which makes me think that maybe there was some Tesseract energy in this scepter and somehow he's using it to open the door. Yeah, I just wish if that were the case that there was some 
um, there was some way to demonstrate that that's what was happening because there isn't like he stands up and he's just holding. And we know this in the next minute, like he stands up, he's just holding the scepter and he starts using it to pew pew people and and not like there's no indication that it's anything other than energy beam starts at our end of the Tesseract, shoots over to this bespoke loading dock and there he shows up. Yeah, that's all we can see. Like, I, I feel like that's a that's something we can't answer. And it's poorly portrayed if there's something more going on. Again, it just makes me frustrated that they opted to not have Selvig under Loki's control open the portal with the Tesseract, which he's with. Like, that yeah. would have made so much sense. This is, again, man, this whole week is snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Like, they had the story. They had it. They had it, and it would all make sense. And it's just nuanced. Like, as you said yesterday or the day before, it was like just script fixes. Like, could have tweaked it. Just give the same line to a different character, and it would have fi- largely fixed this frustration. So that's frustrating. It is frustrating, very much so. At the end, just one other little note, as the Tesseract energy is, or as the beam is blasting across over to the little um, unintentional landing platform, the camera goes Dutch again. It was a fantastic, like the boom raises up nice and high in this space. We get a great Dutch angle of this whole thing in action. And I'm just like, you know, I love that we're getting these. I don't think that they're necessarily nods to Kenneth Branagh, but I love that they are still getting used. And, um, you know, people are probably saying, well, it's very comic booky, but still, it's nice to see them in here. Yeah, it's very comic booky in it, but it it works. It's it really, really works. I think it, it just adds a bunch of drama. And it'll be interesting to see as we go along how often they're able to and in what context, like what character context they're able to keep using some of these tools, because I I, in my most recent watch, I think I'm, I'm finding it really interesting to see how they treat characters with the camera separate and distinct from one another. Yeah. Do you think it would have made more sense with this portal instead of doing the almost Terminator style arrival of Loki here? Do you think it would have made more sense and been a little cooler if this opening, we saw this opening into space and through it, we saw that wicked cool staircase that comes out of Sanctuary that looks like some space, like vertebra of some ancient yeah. creature or something, right? And have him walk down the stairs. And have him walk down the stairs and enter uh, as a kind of a cool grand entrance. I think it's cool, but I think it it gives away a mystery that it seems like they didn't want to give away. Which, again, why why are they not? Uh, like, I just don't know. I don't know. It's very It's very weird the way that they've designed this whole open... But it is cool. I mean, I like this, the way that we get at the end of this minute, we get Loki in kind of that Terminator pose. But I can't help but think it would have been cool. It's weird to me that we don't see Sanctuary through the space hole doorway. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about it too much. But still, I think it would have been cool to see Loki walk down the steps. That would have been neat. Yeah, me too. Coming through his space hole. Coming through his space hole. All right. Well, I don't know if I have anything else for this minute. Do you have any last thoughts? <laughs> no, Andy. I think we've I think we've done all the damage we can this week. <laughs> I think it's been a, a week of just beating this movie up. My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. 
All right. Well, uh, everybody, uh, don't forget, we do have a Discord community. You can learn more. We also have some socials. We're out there on Twitter and and stuff. We have a membership where you can get all of your episodes a week early before everybody else, plus, you know, some bonus episodes that we do in our hiatus. And uh, you can find out all of that stuff over at truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute. So we will be back next week to talk about the next five minutes of this movie. So, Pete, thanks as always. What will come out of our space hole on Monday? (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This week's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. Hold up. 